Now, if you're an Aberdeen fan, you know that success is just a ball hair away. And that's why this episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in men's below-the-waist grooming, Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free, that's free, worldwide shipping with the code ABZPODCAST at manscaped.com. That means your ball hair doesn't need to be quite as close as Kenny McLean in the 2017 Scottish Cup final. It's Wednesday. And you know what that means? Welcome to episode 35 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week, as always, it's Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? I'm very good, thank you. I have to confess something. I'm very new to the view from the terrace. Uh I've never watched it before, actually. Some very good stuff. And I loved the fact that they call Aaron Ramsey, Aaron Ramsey. It's great. I'm a big fan of it. Let's not shill too much, though. We're doing way too much of that. No, no, absolutely. I must be said, the aforementioned though, Ramsey, he made his second appearance today. So maybe it's just maybe it's just here for the Scottish Cup. Maybe that could be what it is. In a week that saw Mark McGee accept COVID after hoping for the Spanish flu, danger man Mark Reynolds striking for Cove Rangers, and Vladimir Putin no longer being able to access St. Mirren against Dundee in the cinch after the SPFL demanded our coverage be pulled in Russia. It's a slightly less chaotic episode of the ABZ FP this week, as we've got no games to review. We say that now, I mean, just right. wait, and, wait until we're scrambling after the next crazy bit of news tomorrow night. Absolutely, definitely. And we're going to look back on the latest news out of AB24. We're going to take some time to preview Saturday's huge clash now with Hibs in Aptodri in the SPFL Premiership. We'll take a look at our loanees and the women's team and their SWPL1 fixture with Park Thistle. And after the break, as a follow-on to last week's Where Did It All Go Wrong feature, we'll take a look at the current squad makeup and analyse where we think Jim Goodwin's attention in the upcoming summer window needs to be channelled. But before we move on, what about this like Hibs fan who's gone to Ukraine to fight Russians, Gav? What's his name again? Is it Rab? Something 61-year-old... Uh... Soccer hooligan, I think it was described in the press. I love it. The headline, Scott's granddad fighting Russians in Ukraine is notorious Hibs football casual. That is a headline that, I don't know, like, what, six months ago, you would have scarcely been able to believe. Whilst in Ukraine on Saturday, Rab apparently asked friends on social media, what's the Hibs score? To be reminded by a pal right back, get on with killing Russians for fuck's sake. <laughs> Plus, another one who was a little bit more matter-of-fact about things just said, it's not kicked off yet, mate. Well, is that matter-of-fact? Because it very much has kicked off. Well, it depends, I guess, what's kicked off. (laughs) Um, If I was a Hibs fan, then, yeah, a a war zone is where I'd go to avoid watching them. 
Well, you say that. They're in the, they are in the Scottish Cup semi-finals this evening. Uh, we'll come on to them in a minute or two. Yeah, I believe he was quoted as saying he's just going to go out there and kill as many people as he can. And he did not specify who he was going to kill. So the absence of Scottish diplomacy, I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing for this situation, but let's yeah. leave it there. Rab, <laughs> what a boy. Um, Scottish football, just fucking hell. What, what can you say? News from Tawdry this week. Uh, two main pieces of news to drop from the club in the, in the week that's gone past. Now, Gav, as you and I all know, what this means is that something will drop on Monday night or Tuesday night in the time it takes for us to edit this and get this out. The announcement of Scott Brown's departure slash, I think, retirement dropped literally the second I was bouncing last week's episode. <laughs> it's like they know. Yeah, yeah. Someone, maybe someone's watching me. I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's look at that first. It was confirmed on Tuesday evening. There's a camera happens. in the concert, I know. Is that what it is? It could be. That could be what it is. Turn it, turn it to face the other way now. We need to put that into context, Gav. You have a constant dino on your bookshelf behind us, but don't, we also don't do this on YouTube um, so, so no one can see this. But um, there we go, Jink. They've hidden a secret camera in there for you. Quite possibly. Or even just a mic. Maybe they bugged me. Um, Maybe. It's all... Actually, this is going far to conspiracy theory. We're, we're just like turning it to a proper tin hat. Give it a year, we'll be expressing the virtues of flat earth. It's it's inevitable. We're, we're 35 weeks into this nonsense. Yeah, uh, This was always going to happen. So yeah, firstly, it was confirmed on Tuesday last week that Scott Brown had departed less than 12 months into his two-year deal as player coach at the club. Now, if you believe the press releases, etc., then this decision was prompted by the fact that there was going to be a limited or non-existent role for Scott Brown within Jim Goodwin's coaching setup and this was obviously something very critical to Scott Brown something he was very keen to continue with and uh, it was believed that this was best for all involved for Scott Brown to move on from Aberdeen Football Club in less than 12 months into our brave brave new world it's all literally fallen apart at the seams Gav your thoughts on the life and times of Scott Brown as an Aberdeen football club player. <laughs> I'm glad you added that final condition because I was going to say he's not dead. <laughs> uh, we've not gone full Celtic. <laughs> um, I'm not surprised he's gone. I'm a little bit surprised by the timing as such, but it makes sense when you see what's being said from certainly Jim Goodwin. I think he made it clear that he's very... I think he called himself actually a control freak on the training ground that he wants to be in charge. Um, and as it's been said before, clearly being part of the coaching set was a big draw uh, to Scott Brown being at Aberdeen. I think without that coaching role, I think his playing career would have been vastly reduced to next year, even if he'd stuck around. So yeah, I'm surprised it took this long, but I think it's a, a neat and tidy way to sort of move on the, the final I guess, remnant of the of the Stephen Glass era. And yeah, we now kick on and we, we start afresh. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think when Jim Goodwin came in, I think the writing was on the wall almost to an extent. There was a, a very early interview with him. Oh, Gavsman brought his Ryoka again. It's all gone Dave Cormack. Um, Another Dave Cormack line about Ryoka I have to cut out of the episode. <laughs> no, I'll keep it in. It's good. You'll be, you, before you know it, you'll be on Sports Sound ranting at Kenny McIntyre. Um yeah, I, th- I think the writing was on the wall. From there was there was a very early interview with Jim Goodwin where he basically talked about how he liked to have a very compact coaching setup. It was just basically him and Lee Sharp at St Mirren. That's how he liked it. It, it didn't appear as so though he wanted too many other people involved. 
I think instantly at that point, questions became asked about what Scott Brown's role was going to be. Obviously, there were huge, huge rumours doing the rounds after the Hearts game at Tynecastle a couple of weeks ago about there being a, a bust-up in the dressing room and so on and so forth. And that was why Brown was missing from the from the squad at Ibrox. Now, whether those rumours are true or not, who knows? Not something we've had confirmed to us. But yeah, I think you're right. I think the writing was probably in the wall. It, it seems like it becomes a nice cosy way to wrap a package and tie the bow on the Stephen Glass era and send it off down the fucking river where it probably needs to go but on a, a playing level I guess about Scott Brown Gav just your 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 thoughts and your um yeah your thoughts I guess last week we went through the previous five years recruitment and and we labelled him, I think we collectively labelled him as uh, a miss in terms of a piece of recruitment as a player. And I tend to I tend to still think that way, even though he's gone and he's said some very nice things about the club and, you know, that's all well and good. But I think um, I don't find myself shedding any tears at the thought that Scott Brown will not be an Aberdeen player next season. Overall, I don't think he's done enough. Um, and I don't think he's brought us on in any way. I mean, you can tell from that, the fact that we're sitting in 10th place at the moment. Um, I think we'll be a better team next year, honestly, if Ross McCrory is occupying that position in the pitch with a Connor Baden and whoever else happens to be in midfield. So, yeah, not um, not a success in my mind. Yeah, I, I don't tend to disagree on that point at all. I think there's been some good things from Scott Brown in a red shirt this season. I think it would be churlish to pretend there hasn't been some good bits and pieces um but certainly i think in the last feels to me like the last time we spoke positively was when we had andy murray on the show yeah yeah that'd be about right that's before christmas um and even then before that it was still very hit or miss i feel that i think we spoke about it last week i feel that part of the reason we've been so slow and ponderous in midfield is because it almost feels like everything had to go through him i don't know if that was just a players being deferential to him or whatever, but it felt like everything had to go through Scott Brown to, to shuffle a pass left or right five or six yards. I felt that that made us too slow and too ponderous too often this season in the midfield area. Didn't really see the leadership qualities that I was expecting from him. Saw them in flashes, but not, we've all said it. It's fine turning up to wind up Rangers. Where we really needed Scott Brown is in games like Dingwall away, where the game's you know, founding out to a nil, a 1-1 one, one draw or whatever you need. That's where you want your leaders away at Paisley on a horrible Wednesday night. That's where you need your leaders not showing up just to play against Rangers and to do hilarious things. And let's not pretend they weren't fucking hilarious things. But that's what we need more than just that out of a player playing centre midfield and wearing the captain's armband for, for Aberdeen Football Club. The one thing I'm wondering about is whether we're missing a, a trick with him on the coaching side here. Um, I understand why Jim Goodwin is taking the, the 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 point of view. He wants to have his own setup, and I get all that, and that makes perfect sense. Scott Brown though, is a guy who's got a tremendous amount of experience. He's won an awful lot in Scottish football, by all accounts. Has quite a good football brain on him. Has already had doors open to him by the likes of Brendan Rodgers and stuff at Leicester City to continue his coaching career are we missing are we are we being a bit short-sighted here do you think by showing him the door and not giving him an opportunity to still sit on the coaching staff do you think um post the made it clear there'll be a, a, a job from itself if he wants it yeah um 
perhaps there's an element of that. Do we go full-blown conspiracy here and suggest that maybe there's more than meets the eye? And very well could be. There very well might be. He's he's such a enormous presence. Do you want him around if he's not fully buying into the the new project? I guess. Um, it could well be as much as anything that Scott Brown's decided that he doesn't want to be part of the new setup as well. Um, yeah, there's possibly possibly an element to that. Um, but yeah, I think for myself, I'd stick to the the idea that it's just a good thing for us to move on from that last chapter of the of the club's history and yeah, start afresh. And I think Scott Brown is a huge huge part of that last chapter. I think it's probably best for all that we yeah uh, that we part ways. Yeah, and I mean, there was Scott Burns talked about it this week. I think it was very clear that Brown asked to leave when Glass and Co. departed. Now, whether that's because he felt a responsibility to go as well because he was part of the coaching setup, so felt it wasn't right, or out of sense of loyalty to his manager in Stephen Glass and his, his, his good friend, obviously, um, and whether he thought it would be a bit awkward for him to still be the one remaining element of that coaching setup still being here by dint of the fact that he was on the playing staff. Who knows? It's, it's difficult to kind of tell, but I think you're probably right. I think in in the short term, it's probably the right thing for everybody involved. We just put a bow on that particular last 12 months and, like I said earlier on, pop it in the river and just let it sail on into the sea because that's kind of where it needs to, to go. I think in Scott Brown's, um, do you call it statement that he released on Instagram? Yeah, uh-huh his post statement um he finished off by saying something along the lines of you know i'll see you down the road yeah so maybe in in future when the terms and the time is right maybe he can come back and pursue either his coaching or managerial career but yeah for me right decision to depart ways i do wonder though about the the whole situation and you know his decision to leave obviously on the part of his um not getting the coaching time and that was a big part of why i came to work with Stephen glass and I was thinking, I'll just ask your opinion on this. Do you think Scott Brown was given an assurance or some kind of promise in future that he would be the Aberdeen manager, perhaps when the time was right for him to step up? I don't know, because maybe to an extent, but then... And the reason why I say that, my thinking is that obviously Stephen Glass was given a rolling contract, which to me doesn't seem to imply the long-term planning that you'd expect from a club who are talking in such, you know, grandiose terms of philosophy and long-term strategy. And I've just always wondered, like, I was thinking the other day when I was walking along, was there a plan here that Stephen Glass was just going to go season by season, maybe get us to a point, and then when the time was right, step aside, either maybe to the board, to the director of football role, maybe he heads back to Atlanta, and that's when Scott Brown makes the step up. And then obviously, us scrapping that whole strategy, Stephen Glass, in turn, you know, gets rid of the plan of Scott Brown being the succession plan. I mean, maybe it, it would make sense. The only problem with that theory is that it presupposes that Stephen Glass is a success and that he leaves on his own terms, either stepping up into a board role, like what, director of football, which I, I still to this day think would have been a perfect role for Stephen Glass, if I'm honest, but never mind. Um, or it presupposes he's been so successful he's been poached by another club, in which case, why would he not bring his coaching staff with him, which would include Scott Brown? 
the idea about going back to Atlanta, I think that only happens if it hasn't worked out for him in Aberdeen. So this idea that Scott Brown would get the manager's gig after Glass, I'm not sure because if it goes disastrously for Glass, as it did, yeah. if he's so close to Stephen Glass as a friend that he feels he should go when Glass goes, which is what you know he asked to do, there wouldn't be that plan for him to, to, to take the hot seat, would there? Well, that, again, plays in the hypothetical. What would Scott Brown have done had we offered Scott Brown the job? Would he have taken that approach of, I need to go because Glass is gone? If Scott Brown had been offered the Aberdeen job, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Scott Brown would have taken the Aberdeen job. I mean, if he, he, he interviewed for the St. Mirren job. So if you're telling me he wouldn't have taken the Aberdeen job if it was offered to him on a platter, of course he would have taken it. Now... That, I guess, extends that question of where his loyalty to Stephen Glass lies. Whether Stephen Glass would have given them the, the, the nod to say, go and take it, you know, it's the right thing to do. I don't know. Who knows? You don't know the relationship between them. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that my theory does not involve a very flawed strategy, but in saying that, welcome to Aberdeen of the last 35 weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no, not just the last 35 weeks. We did this last week, Gav. Welcome to the last five years of Aberdeen Football Club. Who knows? It's all very messy. And it's just like, I think for our whole brave new world, I spoke about earlier on, to have been just shattered in 12 months is, in a way, kind of impressive, like in a really bad way. But I mean, we have really fucked up. That's being really polite about it, I think, to to be honest. Um, This is Lee Griffith's level of of fucking up. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's Scott Brown done um, in more ways than one. This might mean the red final might come out of retirement. So that could be a positive out of all this shit show. Um, well, that and um, our good friend, Fit by Daddy. Yeah, I mean, bless will, him. No one is happier than that man right now. He's been he's been pushing this since like basically the start of the season. And to be fair to him, he's kind of been right. So um, there we go. Late on Friday evening, though, it was announced that Johnny Hayes would be extending his second spell at the club for at least one more season. Uh, the 34-year-old Irishman signing a one-year extension to his deal that was due to expire in the summer. And as part of the deal, Johnny Hayes will also formally join up with the Youth Academy in a coaching capacity as well. Now, this is one that seems to catch pretty much everybody in the hop, including, I imagine, Johnny Hayes, because just the day before, the press had been reporting that Hayes had stated he simply hadn't got around talking to the club about a new deal. But, well, there we go. Um, your thoughts on this one, Gav? Kind of polarizing on Twitter when we when we put it out there. Yeah, um, I think I understand the people that are taking a more negative perspective on it. And uh, Johnny Hayes Aberdeen is synonymous with Niall McGinn, and I can see why people are drawing that comparison. But for my money, Johnny Hayes has still got something to offer to the club. Um, I think that is a good thing to have some experienced players and a guy like Johnny Hayes is made the absolute most of his ability is a good example to have. Um, do I want to see him playing every single week? Not really, but I think he has proven he's still got enough in the tank that he can uh, contribute to the team. And yeah, I'm happy enough with this to be quite honest. I think I'm in a number of different places with this one. I think that if this is on a reduced terms basis, for 12 months, gets embedded into the youth academy in a coaching position, gives us some time now to allow the likes of Jack McKenzie, hopefully to develop further, Kieran Nguyenia to come back from Kelty Hearts on loan this season, to develop maybe into a 
a permanent fixture in the team at left back. I think this makes sense as a stopgap solution. It looks to me like we're looking at our pathways and going, right, we've got at least a couple of guys who we think are on the cusp of ready to coming in here, but they just need a bit more time and need bedding in and yada, yada, yada. If Johnny Hayes is here on a, on a reduced terms deal to allow that process to take place, I'm probably kind of okay with it. I kind of agree with you that I don't think I want to see him start in every game next season. I feel that this season we've seen diminishing returns from Hayes as the season's progressed. It's remarkable. I think he's still got the pace about him. It feels to me though it's just the footballing side of things seems to be disappearing, which is kind of a bit odd. It's usually the other way around. You'd retain the football brain and the ability to hold on to the ball and do all that. This season, it's like the pace is still there, but everything else is just not quite there. But at the same time, he can fulfill a number of different roles in the team. I'm kind of okay-ish with it. The proof will be in the pudding, I guess, as we see next season. He's 34 next year. I hate us being seen to be a comfortable place for ex-players who've got a lot of like credit in the bank just to kind of see out their days. Or in some cases, even players that just have no credit but still stick around. Well, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I get that. I think I'm probably in the same mindset as yourself, but I do feel that he has still got something to offer to us. And you can tell from his interview that he loves the club. And yeah, if he can get that kind of mentality across to new players, that's worth its weight in gold. Um, and he clearly, he feels he's got, seem to kind of make it, he doesn't want to leave Aberdeen on this note. So I think there's a, a real determination to step forward with, with Jim Goodwin, uh, the squad, new players and, right this season's wrongs and that's not a bad thing in my book oh definitely i mean there's a lot to be said for guys for a guy like johnny hayes who i love johnny hayes i'm just gonna say that right now yeah we we all do you go through like our interviews with guys we've done over the last 35 weeks you know how many of them who come to aberdeen with no idea about the club the city whatever when they arrive here but they fall in love with both of them and Johnny Hayes is a guy that that typifies that. You know, he moved to Aberdeen from Inverness, did really well here, got his big move to got his big move to Celtic, his boyhood team, played there, did 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 well for Celtic, to be fair. Did a lot better for Celtic than I thought he would do. I wasn't sure if he'd get much of a look in there. Effectively, if I used cricket terminology, he was effectively the twelfth man there. So yeah. Yeah, he, he did a good job for them, won a couple of titles, got his got his Medal Hall up would have done well for himself from a financial perspective, but he kept his house in, in Aberdeen. Aberdeenshire was always kind of thinking about coming back here. Came back amidst the COVID, deferred his wages for a year. Loves the club, loves the city, loves the area. You know, like I said earlier on, he's got, he's got no reason to, in a way. He's got no ties here. As an Irishman, you'll speak to Adam Rooney and these guys. Celtic are the team they just inherit as the team they will support as a matter of course that's just how it is so for a guy like johnny who'd come back his kids in the youth academy it's well documented the family love it here that's that's great it's all good i just hope that we this is not a i guess in our now again scenario where we gave him a, a year's deal last season and a lot of us were looking at that going uh, i don't really know about that and these guys leave and kind of not the best way so to speak but hey, let, let's 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 hope for the best. Like I said, it was kind of polarizing. I think on Twitter, I think a lot of people were kind of like, "Not good enough," blah blah blah. I'm kind of 55-60 in favor of this one. 
I think I'm just erring towards being in favour of it because I think he loves the club, he loves what it's all about, loves the city, etc. And, and I hope for his sake that we could turn it around next season and he doesn't leave the club in well tenth position or wherever the fuck we might be in because he has been part of our success. Story Aberdeen for a decent chunk of time and that'd be appropriate for him to leave that way. Let's move on. On to the women's side. So the Dons visiting Partick Thistle this week in SWPL1. Gavin Beath away on international duty. So Emma Hunter back in sole charge. She made two changes to the side that lost to Celtic last week. Ailey Shore returning from injury into the midfield and Hannah Stewart coming in to make her first start for the side. And the hosts went in front after just eight minutes in slightly controversial fashion. AJ Meach coming out to claim a short back pass. And as she came under pressure, a judge to have handled the ball, even though it appeared to have come off her knee. And in an indirect free kick in the penalty area, Cara McCarthy fired the ball through the Aberdeen wall and in for the opener, which seems a bit bizarre given it's an indirect free kick, but never mind. I'm only presuming that was passed to her to begin with. It had to have been, surely. Gav's looking as confused as I am. There we go. Scottish football. Could anything could happen? <clears throat> Indeed, absolutely. Who knows? Maybe Willie Collum refereeing this one. Willie Collum, by the way, today refereed uh, Motherwell v Hibs in the Scottish Cup. I made this point earlier on Twitter. Can I just say that, see when Willie Collum is not refereeing your matches, Willie Collum's fucking box office. That is a man that loves, loves the spotlight. Loves it. Absolutely loves it. Anyway, halftime at Funnily enough, I was listening to the uh, Rangers-Dundee game on my drive home from work today, and Uh um, the first thing that was mentioned, Steve McLean made an absolute howler of a decision on a pass-back, and it shows where we are that I've not really heard Steve McLean's name all season, because he's another absolute joker. Never has a true word been spoken on this podcast. Um, Halftime, 1-0, Partick Thistle. Second half, getting off to a bit of a scrappy start once again, but Aberdeen finally get back on level terms on the hour mark, Bailey Hutchison chasing down a forward pass, strong enough to hold off her marker before smashing home. And it was a pretty scrappy affair, to be fair, in Glasgow. But one of the game's few moments of real quality that put the Dons ahead, Sopel fighting her way through into the area before some nice short passing saw Collins square the ball for Hutchison. Once again, to side foot home, her second of the match finished up Park Thistle 1. Aberdeen 2. The Dons still in 6th place in the league this evening. Spartans having beaten Hartman Lothian 4-0 earlier today, but in good, good shape now, opening up a bit of a gap to Motherwell in behind them. Well done to the Quines. No game for the young team this week, so on to Lone Watch. And in Lone Watch, Cliftonville versus Coleraine, the Norwich Irish League Cup final today at Windsor Park. Luke Turner, Played the, the full 120 minutes of this one. An absolute thriller. I ended up watching most of it. It was on Sky Sports Fitba. Don't say I won't watch anything that's on there. Coleraine were 2-0 up in normal time. 15 minutes to go. Cliftonville got back to 2-2. Eventually winning at 4-3 in extra time. Great stuff. Great entertainment. No more to be said on that one. Lovely. I mean, how did Luke play? Played well. I thought he looked okay. Um, left-sided centre-back. Um, did all right hard to tell levels and all that kind of stuff but thought he did good good physical presence about him can play with the ball at his feet yeah not bad not bad at all they're um, they're talking very highly of him 
in those parts. Um, any sign of our other Loney? Mark Gallagher, nowhere to be found. So unless he was Josh McGinnising it <laughs> afterwards. Well, he is like part of their team, at least, unlike Josh. True. I don't even know what Mark Gallagher looks like, so he could have been for all I know. Uh, but hey, well done to Cliftonville. Well done to Luke Turner. Uh, I'm, I'm presuming a first senior winner's medal in his back pocket today. So all good. Um, no game for Huntley in the Highland League this weekend, but Jack McIver was apparently involved in some trial appearances for Sheffield Wednesday uh, in the previous week. So it could be a sign that this young man is thinking about a move down south, potentially. Elsewhere, Kieran Nguenya, another full 90 minutes for Kelty Hearts as they beat Albion Rovers by three goals to one in League Two. Evan Towler played the full game for Elgin City as they went down by two goals to one at Annan. Athletic Tyler Makaita, an unused sub for Elgin in that one. Mason Hancock didn't make the squad as Sterling Hubbian won at Forfa by one goal to nil. Ryan Duncan returning to the Peterhead squad, coming off the bench for the final 25 minutes as Montrose took all three points with a 1-0 win at Balmour. And finally, Dean Campbell, an unused sub as Kilmarnock beat local rivals Air United by three goals to one at Somerset Park in the Championship. Next Saturday, sees the first visit of Hibs to the Granite City since the appointment of Aberdeen's own. Sean Maloney in what is, you have to say, an absolute make-or-break fixture for Jim Goodwin's men if we're to have any chance at all of finishing in a European spot this season. Yes, we're still talking about finishing in Europe. Damn right. Absolutely. Hibs arrive at Pataudry in fourth place, which is kind of remarkable considering they've only won one in their last 10 league outings. They've had three 0-0 draws in a row in the league. A, a 2-1 win at Motherwell today in the Scottish Cup. It's fair to say they've become a little bit more solid at the back since Maloney's come in. They're third in the table now in clean sheets with 12. And with their goalkeeper, whoever it may be, at any given time, uh, the boy Matt Macy today. Macy is the keeper, isn't he? Yeah, but they've got uh, um, they've got another lad. I want to say Dabrowski, but that's not right. Um, I'm going to have to look this up now. That is Dabrowski. There we go. There you go. Who looked pretty handy when he Don't came out of the season. I know. Why would I do that? Only having to make like 2.6 saves per match, which puts them ninth in the table for the sheer number of... Ninth in a good way, like <laughs> fourth from bottom. Um, so it's clear they're kind of not really giving away much in the way of opportunities. Goals, a big issue for Hebs. Martin Boyle, still their top scorer, despite the fact he left in January. And next up is Kevin Nisbet on five, but he's out for the remainder of the campaign. And I was I was going to say all eyes would be in Christian Deutsch, but today, Elias Hoff Melkerson, great name, to be fair, with a double in his first start for Hebs. Looked pretty good, it's fair to say. I thought he I thought he looked quite impressive. Young Norwegian, 19 years old, signed from Bodo Glimt in January. Uh, thought he looked good, as did the boy Jasper. Sylvester Jasper, I think his name is, on the right wing. Um, I mean, that's a fantastic name. It's also a good name. I thought he thought he did well today. So yeah, Gav, your kind of thoughts and expectations on, on what we can what we can perhaps imagine will happen next week at Patodri. I'm gonna move past the point where we pretend to know what we're talking about in terms of tactics and form and all that kind of stuff we're gonna absolutely smash them excellent love it we're gonna smash them and then mark mcgee's dundee are gonna cost us his top six <laughs> um what do i expect um did you see the game today with uh, motherwell i watched most of it yeah yeah i mean i thought the red card was harsh personally 
uh, I can see why Willie Collins. I can see it. why it is in today's game, but like it's one of those. I like, yeah, I think his his right foot like gets the ball and then rolls over the top of it, and that's what hits the guy. The irony of Ryan Porteous though going ballistic <laughs> about a heavy tackle and then giving it the proper yes. Yeah, I know. Someone it's... like someone properly at rugby barges out the referee as well, which I'm amazed didn't get any like repercussions there. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think as a traditional as a traditionalist I think it's a very very harsh red card in today's game I can understand why it's given I have absolutely no sympathy whatsoever with Motherwell (laughs) on this because if you play on the edge of the rules and the laws of the game as Motherwell do then kind of fuck them like I, I don't really care they're hammer throwers that's how they've decided to approach this season fuck them and speaking and speaking of hammer throwers Fuck Ryan Porteous. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I made this point as well today about Kevin Van Veen. What did the Aberdeen Football Club do to Kevin Van Veen in a previous life? Because I swear to God, in every other time I've seen him play this season, he's been absolute dog shit, which he was today. Strolled around the pitch like he didn't give a shit. Turns up against Aberdeen three times a season, four times a season, sorry. And he's like Dennis Burkamp merged with Rude Hullet. I think as the, I think maybe the first reply to this tweet that you put, it probably says more about us than it does about him. I, I agree to that to an extent, but I was talking more about just effort as well. Like today, he just strolled around the pitch, like not looking particularly interested. Again, stuff he's like a man possessed. What have we ever done to him? The fucking preening wanker. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Uh, hopefully, we don't have to see him again this season, though. Well, hopefully, we do. I think. Not if we see him in the bottom six. Anyway. Anyway, let's uh let's move on to let's move, let's talk about Hibbs, not, yeah, not, Kevin, Hibbs, not Kevin, Kevin Van, Van Veen again. Or Motherwell. How did Motherwell come back into this show again? Fucking Motherwell, man. Um yeah, clearly it's a good result for them today. Um I'm sure they'll have a little bit of confidence off the back of that. Looking forward to the semi-final that they'll be involved in. It's in any other season, in any other league, you feel like one win in ten is you're talking relegation form there yeah exactly it's mad and yet we're talking about the team that are placed in fourth right now so you know they're they're no great shakes by any stretch of the imagination and i think we could beat them but what do i expect i have absolutely no idea um i revert to my previous comment on episode 34 i kind of want the season just to be over so yeah some signs some some good signs some progress an indication of Things to come next season in a positive sense. Oh, hopefully a first win under the belt for Jim Goodwin. But um, yeah, I've truthfully got no idea what to expect. The interesting part for me is the fact that out of everything, Sean Maloney seems to have tightened them up, which is kind of like not what you were probably expecting to happen. I mean, it's not what you expect to happen from any defense with Paul Hanlon, is it? True. Absolutely true. I think probably helped by the fact he's injured, I think. Is he out with the team? Yeah, he's not playing. That is definitely part of that yeah he's injured but even today they can see the goal which is a bit of a like it's a bit of a funny goal it's not it's a bit of an odd goal to have conceded they didn't really concede much the way of chances to Motherwell today there was a couple of times that Motherwell broke through on on the wing and they played crosses in and if Van Veen had like adopted Aberdeen mode he'd have probably scored two or three today but because he was adopting anyone else in the league mode he was standing on the fucking 18 yard line you know Pulling fucking 
claggers out of his arse, whatever he was doing. Cloud bursting. <laughs> Cloud bursting, thank you. And we're not a team that's blessed with creating a lot of chances. Nope. So in terms of expectations for next week, I'm expecting a nil in our column. <laughs> I thought Hebs did okay today going forward. I think first half, I, they created a few decent opportunities. I thought the boy Jasper did quite well against, I want to say his name's McGinley, the left back for Motherwell, but you might as well stick a traffic cone in there. That guy's hopeless. I didn't feel that they were overly, I don't know, overly threatening. Like the, the two goals that, um, oh Christ, what's his name then? McElser. 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 The two goals that McElser scores are good goals. Like the first goal is a good run across the near post and it's a good header. It's an instinctive header. The second goal is a good finish, but he's got acres of space. It's just a punt over the top of the park. I could feel, I, honestly, right now, prediction wise, nil nil. Horrendous game of football. That's it. I retain my faith. Uh, 2 0 win to Aberdeen. 2 0 win. And then the, the, the top six charges on. I think we have to set, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Near... I'm, not, I'm, I'm not talking fourth right now. I'm just talking top six. And like yeah. I say, Mark McGee will, uh, will fuck us over. As desperate as it is to be talking about top six like an achievement, we're not. But to get to top four, you have to get to top six. So. Yeah, no, it's all about, you know, steps up the ladder. Yeah. Uh, Mark McGee will fuck us over again. Only this time he's not wearing our blazer. So you go 2 0, Gav. Who's going to score? Well, for us. Yeah. Well, who else? It's not going to be Hebs, is it? If they're scoring zero. I didn't think that far ahead. Um, Vicente Bajawan will get his first goal at Pataudry. And that will be followed by a goal from the new skipper, Ross McCrory. Oh, we haven't talked about that. Do you think we will appoint a new skipper ahead of next week or do you think they'll give it to Lewis till the end of the season and then... I imagine club captain, whatever Joe Lewis's term is, uh, he'll retain that until the summer and then we'll make the, the permanent appointment in the summer. Excellent. Lovely stuff. But in my mind, that is Ross McCrory. So, yeah. Uh, he is new skipper elect in my mind. It's like the US president. He just has to wait from like November till January to actually get the job. Pretty much, yeah. Doesn't have to do as like inauguration behind a bulletproof screen though. Hopefully not. Let's move on. So that wraps up part one of this week's show. Join us after the break where we'll look at our squad makeup as we enter the final stages of the season and analyze where we think Jim Goodwin will need to turn his attention to in the summer window. To play us out, here is my other half, Matilda Fongen with her track, Wildflower. Uh, Matilda is playing this Saturday evening. That's the 19th of March at the Blue Lamp. Doors are open at 7 p.m. with performances from a whole host of acts. Too many to lame, quite frankly. You can find all the information on Facebook. Uh, check out Matilda's other work over at matildafongen.com. Here's Matilda Fongen with Wildflower.
lockdown got you feeling like you don't have the self-confidence to embark on an Archie Knox-esque dressing room, dressing down with no pants on, Gav? Oh, you know it, man. You know it. It's like a fucking jungle down there. Well, hey, have no fear. The performance package 4.0 from Manscaped is here. And like a prime realm again, it's a real game changer. (laughs) (laughs) Now, inside the performance package 4.0, Gav, you can attest this. You've got a package. I've got a package. <laughs> We've all got a package, and then we got an extra package. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, their weed whacker ear and hair nose trimmer. Thankfully, that's uh, not of any required use for me quite yet. But you never know. You never. I know. need it. I need. I, I need that. Not in the ears. I don't have the ears. Is not an issue. Well, no one's told me the ears are an issue. Nose hairs. Yeah, that's that's a problem. Crop preserver ball deodorant. Crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a luxury travel bag for full transparency all of us on the abzfp we've been provided with one of their performance package 4.0s it's pretty cool we set yeah gav yeah i was very impressed with that actually i was expecting just like one just expecting the lawnmower 4.0 and then to get the full uh yeah like you say the full package very very impressive set absolutely hey and let's talk about the lawnmower 4.0 it's a pretty remarkable piece of kit uh a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce nicks and cuts it's waterproof has got a 400k led spotlight which is very handy for in those areas i mean if anyone should know the people that have documented aberdeen for the last 35 weeks will know that if you go into something with the wrong stuff it can lead absolute disaster absolutely and that 400k led spotlight that helps you with a more precise shave to make things look a little bit less davy rob and a bit more jim goodwin that's right. We've had to think about comparing Aberdeen personalities of past and present here to your boss. That's, <laughs> that's what we're doing here. And the Weed Whacker nose and ear trimmer. It's waterproof. It's got a proprietary skin-safe technology again. Helps reduce nicks, snags and tugs on those delicate nose and lug holes, ensuring you won't miss a thing from your favourite interview on the ABZ Football Podcast. The Performance Package 4.0 brings even more to the table with their crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner. And trust me, give that a wee splash on the, the old boys. That'll just fairly lift the day, shall we say. And it'll change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust us, this ball care puts Connor Barron to shame. It doesn't end there. Manscaped even throwing two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, a pair of anti-chafe Manscaped boxes. Now, I used these last week at fives. And I'll be honest, 
that was the best performing thing about me at goals. <laughs> I was just going to say, it did not help your overall football performance. I had a much more comfortable night's sleep, though. <laughs> and there's also a free travel bag. Now, it's time to take care of yourself. So head over to manscaped.com, use the code ABZ Podcast to get 20% off your order and free shipping. And listen, we know that it's not just guys that listen to our podcast. So girls, you listen out there. Maybe your other half's had that, you know, they let themselves go a little bit in lockdown. Get on there. Maybe a wee birthday's coming up. Even a Christmas present. Get in there early. Manscaped.com. Use the code ABZ Podcast. 20% off your order. Free shipping. Trust us. Your balls will love you. It is crucial to have the right equipment when you're dealing with that particular area. Because if you get it wrong, you're going to make Kirk Broadfoot blowing up an egg in his own face <laughs> pale in comparison to what happens to you. So get on it. Manscaped.com. ABZ Podcast. Welcome back to the full-blown shilling ABZ football podcast. And as a follow-on from last week's segment, Where Did It All Go Wrong? Where we bemoaned the club's recruitment for the previous five seasons. We thought it was time to see where we can make it all go right. Look at where we are now or where we think Jim Goodwin needs to address in the summer window. So let's get going. We've made the assumption here that our lone players in the form of Adam Montgomery, who I think is broken for the, end, for the rest of the season anyway, and Teddy Jenks will return to their parent clubs and they will not return it was Teddy's birthday the other day it was happy 20th I think I drove past him the other day I think he was walking his dog never mind these are the kind of interesting segues you get on the ABZ football podcast let's just get straight into it Gav goalkeeper let's start from back to front okay because that is the way that we are we're very much back to front indeed is that the way you're meant to shave using your your lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped uh, well the whole thing is you're meant to go Against the grain, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Back to front, back. To, yeah, back to front would be right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, with those lads, you'll be all right. You won't nick yourself or cut yourself. That's what they aim to reduce anyway. Um, goalkeepers. So we've got Joe Lewis and Gary Woods, both under contract. Joe Lewis is out of contract. It is out of contract in at the end of the 23-24 season. Gary Woods is out of contract at the end of next season. For you, Gav, is this an area that something needs to be done with? Yeah. Certainly. Do I feel that we need to... Do I feel like a number one goalkeeper is a priority? I'm not sure. But certainly competition, real competition for the place is essential. And I think Graham's talked about this in the past where Aberdeen, the budget's not there unless I have two great goalkeepers. Then that's fair enough. But I think up until the last couple of years, we've done well recruiting in that department. Um, I... I think the criticism of Joe Lewis is still is still very harsh. I see him concede goals that he has absolutely no chance with and getting slated. And maybe he's just maybe he's just lost faith of some people, and that's just not going to be turned around by anything. Uh, but certainly, we've said it many times. Gary Woods is not in my mind anywhere close to the level that we should be looking for. So yeah, absolutely, we should be certainly at the very least bringing in, if not a number one, real competition for Joe Lewis. 
Yeah, and so during this week, uh, Jack Anik at St Mirren has been linked with with Aberdeen. Scott Burns made quite a big play in this early in the week about us approaching them for a, or approaching him on a pre-contract. Obviously, a player that Jim Goodwin won the well. Xander Clark was previously linked with the a pre-contract signing when Stephen Glass was here. That's gone obviously very quiet since then. Um, would you be looking within the league, Gav, yourself, for a potential? adding more competition to this to this area of the park and what are your thoughts on the likes of Jack Anik in particular because that's the guy that we seem to be going for I think this is probably going to be a recurring you can probably make this the catchphrase of this segment I'd probably be looking out with and you know I wouldn't be looking entirely inwards um, I'd be scoping as far as we can if we're talking about the Scottish League and that's the one where we all know the most um, Jack Anik I mean He's solid. He's he's fine. Um, I remember when he was at Rangers and he didn't look... Didn't look great. He didn't look great, but he didn't look terrible at the same time. And you know, he's a good, solid keeper for the SPL, I guess, if you're sitting in with the greatest respect. But, I mean, how old is he? I think he's like 31 or something like that. He's 28. He's 20. Okay. So he's actually... He's a good age. Theory, yeah, good age. Um, if we were going in Scotland, I'd personally prefer Xander Clark. Um, I think that he is a very good goalkeeper. Um, I think like Joe Lewis, whenever I look at St. Johnson this season, and I tend to watch all the highlights that I can um, of Scottish football. And I don't see Xander Clark being, you know, one of the main reasons why St. Johnson are where they are. He's not throwing balls into the net, a la Max Strychek. So he would personally be my preferred option Jack Alnick um, yeah just not could come in could maybe be solid but yeah is he the required level um, yeah I'd be very dubious on that one his stats in fairness to him are very very good in the league at the moment he's the top goalkeeper in terms of saves per match um, in the league 3.9 per match 105 total saves in the league this season that's second only, I think, to Craig Gordon, who's made 111. An interesting one for me is always on expected goals conceded. So he should have conceded 45.8 goals this season. He's conceded 39 in the league, so he's top of the table as well in terms of how he sits compared to what the the, um, the statistics would say he should have conceded. So his stats are good. They're, they're, they're very, very solid from that perspective. These stats are interesting because like Joe Lewis is 11th in the saves per match category. Um, he's only had to make 38 saves this season, which is only one more than Joe Hart has had to make. Is that like a Craig Brown-esque manipulation where the goals he's conceded don't count as saves he'd have to make? Uh, no, but this is part of the reason why Joe Lewis's stats this season are horrendous because we don't actually concede that many chances. No, no, yeah. Um, and so therefore, when we concede, we tend to concede from like really clear-cut opportunities that he's got no chance with. It's an interesting one. Like, if you look at, like, Jack Anik's data is good. The numbers look decent from that perspective. He's out of contract, so it'll be a freebie. I haven't seen enough of Jack Anik really to make a call on him. I feel like I've seen more of Xander Clark. I believe our good friend of the podcast, uh, Kenny Leckie, spoke. Spoke very highly of him, yeah. If I was honest, the guy who is out of contract this season in the Scottish League, who I would go for would be Benjamin Seagrest from Dundee United, but I suspect he'll be off down south 
somewhere. Yeah, I'd expect him to go either south or to one of the gruesome twosome. Yeah, I would like us to be looking at Liam Kelly at Motherwell as well, but I think he's he's still under contract at Motherwell, I think, as well, that he is very, very happy there. There was quite a good feature on him before the game against Hibs today. He seems very settled there, so it, it seems like it's not one that would work. In and around the Scotland team would be a big fee. So Yeah, yeah Jack Anik, out of contract, he knows the manager, would seem to tick a lot of boxes from that perspective. Would be a massive, massive upgrade on Gary Woods, that's for sure. But what's interesting there is, would Jack Annett be happy to come to Aberdeen to play number two? Well, I guess that's where you present it as, there's not a number one as such, they come in to fight for the place, yeah. Would you be expecting in that scenario there, though, that we don't carry three goalkeepers? You'd be expecting if Jack Annett comes in, that means that I'm presuming Gary Woods is away. I would think so, yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the timeline is regarding Tom Ritchie's recovery when we're expecting him to be back um, i think i'll be a while yeah i think so as well um maybe do you look at who else we've got in the system can they you know provide the third choice cover i'm not sure we do right now i mean like jamie shingler went out alone at keith didn't do particularly well um got hooked at half time against motherwell in the cast under 18s last week um i think the under the other under 18 keeper is uh, Blessing Uliemi. That, that'll that not be the right pronunciation at all. But I, I don't think we've got anyone coming through this, this setup right now. You know what? It'll be okay. We can just bring Craig Sampson back in. <laughs> Here's a question for you, though, right? This is not something that anyone's considered. Well, I don't think anyone's considered it that much. <laughs> That's a bold statement. I've not seen anyone talk about it. You're saying you're happy with Jack Anik on the basis that he comes in to replace Gary Woods. Mm-hmm. If Jack Anik's coming in to replace Joe Lewis mm-hmm. and we're left with Anik and Gary Woods, Oofed. that's a very different conversation all of a sudden, isn't it? Oofed. Either way, I'm, I feel like we're picking on Gary Woods a lot. Um, that's because he's shit. <laughs> if we're left with Joe Lewis and Gary Woods or Jack Anik and Gary Woods or goalkeeper X with Gary Woods, then we're in not in a good situation so um yeah okay needs addressing though doesn't it the goalkeeping area i think yeah definitely i'm not it's not it's not maybe priority one but i think it's important i think we need some freshening up in there i think even though as i'm saying that you bring someone in to be and present it as like right the number one shirt's there go win it i think maybe some certainty at the back would be a good thing yeah well let's move on to defenders Here's a list of defenders at the moment that we have on the books as best as I can figure it all out. So Andy Constantine is here. Uh, his contract is up this summer, but there's obviously all the chat that he is going to be offered an extension to that deal. So let's just say for argument's sake, he will be here beyond the summer. Declan Galker, his deal was up at the end of next season. Calvin Ramsey's contracted until the summer of 2024, as is David Bates. Johnny Hayes, I'm classing him as a defender, just signed his one-year extension. He is here to the summer of 2023. Jack McKenzie, summer of 2025. Mikey Devon will be here until such point as Cormac Park disintegrates. Kieran Nguenya is here until summer 2024. Evan Towler, who's on loan at the moment at Elgin City, doing well. Left back, predominantly as well. He is here until the summer of 2024. Mason Hancock, who's on loan at Sterling Albion at the moment. As best as I can figure out, he's the summer of 2023. He's um, he's under contract too. Uh, Luke, Luke Turner as well. Luke Turner. I can't figure out when Luke Turner's here till. 
let's just say for argument's sake, he's here till the summer of 2023. Defence has been an area that's had a lot of attention this season, obviously, mm-hmm. for yep. a lot of different reasons. Even just from that list, who do you anticipate still to be here? It's question one after the summer. And where do you think we do need to think about strengthening still? Right. So um, Constantine will be here. Yeah. I have a funny feeling Ramsey will still be here. I think Calvin Ramsey will be gone in the summer, as my personal thoughts. I'm just, uh, let's be brutally honest, he's not been, he's not been great lately. Um, and I, thought, I just wonder if the interest could have potentially cooled on him off the back of that. Uh, David Bates will still be here. Yeah. Johnny, as we know. Yeah. No, pretty clearly. Uh, Jack McKenzie will be here. Devlin will be here forever. I think Inguenya will be part of the setup. Yep. Next season. Uh, Towler, Hancock, I imagine, will be going back out on loan to uh, other clubs, depending on how they're getting on. Yeah. Where they're now. I think, I think, well, I think Hancock's not getting in the Sterling Adam team right now, which is not the greatest sign. No, he's not. Really honest. And Luke Turner appears to be impressing. He's, Luke Turner's doing well, but it's hard to judge that because, like, without wanting to be all football snobbery, like, the Norwich Irish Premiership is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the fact that we're going to keep this Norwich Irish thing going. People are going to listen to the show and be like, what the fuck? These guys have got no idea what to talk about. I even did the Norwich Irish thing today on Twitter and no one picked up about it, which was very disappointing. But there we go. Can't get can't get the following these days. That's it. Declan Gallagher's the one that stands out as, will he be here next year? Um, I think a lot hinges on how he does between now and the end of the season, eh? I tend to think so. It, I think I think I'll take your point that about Ramsey. There could still be residual interest from January and obviously before then. Whether a club comes in with the right bid, that'll be that remains to be seen. I think it requires a lot of attention, though. Um, personally speaking, even if Ramsey were to stay, I think we need a new right back because I don't think Calvin Ramsey is a right back and. Yeah, another centre-back option to come in, say option, a centre-back, a starting centre-back, would be a major priority for me. To play alongside who? I've seen more from David Bates than I have from Declan Gallagher this year. So, David Bates. Which brings a slightly interesting question, because you, you, I don't know, do you hope, I don't know, Andy Constantine's going to be coming back and it looks mm-hmm. like he's going to get a new deal. Yep. Like We've no idea how Andy will be coming back in. If he was to come back in, he's left-sided, obviously, as is David Bates. Uh, David Bates is right-footed. Well, he's been playing predominantly on the left-hand side. He's been side, playing on the left-sided, yeah, but I think that's just because he's looked at as the more yeah. ball-playing. That's a fair point. Centre-back over Declan. Although he's played there when Ross McCorry was centre-back as well. I think he's pretty comfortable on both feet. The thing is, when you look at that list, it looks like a pretty decent list of players to have in your defensive lineup. Yeah, there's some good players in there. Which is why I'm going to be interested to see if, if there's a lot of attention played to this area of the park. Which would be hilarious if it's not, because we've been horseshit at the back this season. But I think it's... There's not a huge amount of depth to it, is one thing I would say. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I mean, yeah, Gwenya. I, I do expect Gwenya to come in and make a, a push, at the very least, to be in the in the striding level. I, I'm not convinced Jack McKenzie's a left-back. I'm not convinced these either, if I'm yeah. honest. Um, I think probably left side of centre back of a three is the place to play him. Yeah. Whether we build a squad to play with a back three, that's the question. You know, um, if that's not the case, then I'm not sure how long he is for Aberdeen. If I'm 
I mean, I know he's got a long-term contract, but yeah, yeah, he's not impressed at left back. It's an interesting one as well because Goodwin's preferred formation at the start of the season was something was with a three. Yeah, but then has but then, adapted into a a four. Yeah, when you revert to a back four, that's when their season yeah turned around. And I tend to think that we've got at the present moment anyway a back four is our best our best setup. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. I yeah, I think a right back's a priority because I don't think Calvin Ramsey's a right back and. Yeah, a centre back, a starting centre back. That's my priority. If it was up to me, Gallagher would be away in the summer. So a starting centre back. Yeah, and Mikey Devon would be away in the summer as well for you. Uh, Mikey Devon wouldn't have been here until now if it was up to me. Well, yeah, absolutely. But you know, it means you're potentially looking at two centre halves needed, or do you push up a a Mason Hancock? If there is, you know, if if Luke Turner, yeah, comes in preseason, impresses, then then yeah, absolutely, bring in one of those guys. Or see what we can do with Jack McKenzie as far as turning him to a centre back. Yeah, anyone in the league that steps, that stands out to you as a obtainable centre half. I mean, I'm not going to try and look at like why scouting that here mm-hmm. for this, but anyone in the league at the moment that stands out to you as a a centre half. It's funny you ask that because you know that guy Paul Hanlon. Uh, no, <laughs> um, when we spoke to Kenny about. Jim Goodwin going after some minute players and he said no I was a little bit surprised because I thought Connor McCarthy might be someone that could be uh, looked at as making the step up um, I like him yeah um, again be a big move for him though um, yeah. so it's it's a gamble on any level um, for anyone in the league that really stands out to me that's available truthfully no, no one jumps out um, Jason Kerr I don't think has made much of an impact at Wigan whether he'd have any appetite in coming back up to Scotland, I don't know, but that's uh, that's a name that comes to mind straight away. Yeah, I think it's interesting you picked up um, Colin McCarthy because I think this is where we can expect to see Jim Goodwin perhaps look at some players who he knows. The first one that jumped out to me when I think about that is probably someone like Joe Shaughnessy at St Mirren. Fifth, sixth, sorry, in the league when it comes to total clearances this season is Joe Shaughnessy. 148, 5.1 per game, ranks quite well as far as that's concerned. Up at the top of that is Liam Gordon at St. Johnston and then uh, Jamie McCart at St. Johnston as well as number four on that list. That's a couple of guys who I would tend to have a look at. McCart in particular, he's not had a great season this year, but there was potential there last year, I felt. Um, whether he's available or not, not sure. One maybe to look at developing. Who knows? It's definitely an area for me I think we need to be looking at considering that's right I'm suggesting taking players from the team who are currently bottom of the league um, it's only two places below us this is true but um, yeah let's let's maybe move on to midfielders and this is an area that I think we can maybe expect to see the biggest turnover in in, in players this season you've got the likes of Dylan McGee and Funzo King Ojo both out of contract in the summer I don't expect either of them to be here after the summer I think if anyone that is out of contract this summer is not signed up by the end of this month they should probably start making plans for an alternative career Dean Campbell he's up at the end of 2023 I think he might be sent on loan again next season and that'll be that Connor Barron I think is very very much part of Jim Gooden's plan so he'll be here Lewis Ferguson I don't think he'll be here beyond the summer it would be very hard to believe that Lewis Ferguson stays for what another transfer window. I'd be surprised if nothing else, 
his value is now diminishing to us as a football club the closer he gets to that yeah absolutely that window um so if we're going to cash out on him he, it needs to happen this summer i would imagine just go back to Connor Barron until when yeah. you see 2024 um contract extension is what i'm looking at there absolutely completely agree on that uh dante povara he's here till summer 2024 as well we don't know anything about him at all ross mccrory here till summer 2026 so this is an area that again i think needs some addressing now especially the given that Scott Brown has left, that's freed up at least one hefty wage, one would assume. Uh, I can't imagine that Dylan McGee, and while we know Funzo Ojo is on good money at Aberdeen Football Club as well, so that should theoretically free up some pretty tidy sums in there. For me, this is a a key area we need to look at strengthening. Like I say, I can't imagine Lewis Ferguson is here beyond the summer. If he is, a midfield picking two from three of McCrory, Ferguson, Barron looks all right, actually. A little bit, okay, a little bit light still in case of injuries, but it's not bad. Uh, but for me, an area we absolutely need to consider uh, improving on. Any thoughts on players you'd be considering, Gav, again, at the moment, just from, from the league as we sit just now? I think the thing that we lack in midfield is dynamism. Yeah. I think he's. I think he had a bit of a purple patch, and again, whether this guy's attainable, I don't know. But I like the guy Ian Harks at United. Okay, yeah, as a box-to-box goal-scoring midfielder, American as well, so helps us with the gift game. Yeah, definitely not obtainable. I wouldn't think. I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to speculate here. Okay. Uh, when it comes to, we spoke with Liam from the Almond View podcast. Got oh, actually. Before. Ian Harks is out of contract at the end of the season. Well, there you go. Have that one for a free club. Omionga at Livingston is a good player. He's been very good this season. Uh, I think Liam at the Almondview podcast has uh, has spoken of him being a almost a different level yeah. uh, and really been key in Livingston climbing through the leagues. Yeah, again, there's it's not like days have gone by where like, I've seen someone play against us. I thought that guy's a real player and I want him to be part of our team because the division's been so crap this year. Uh, but yeah, those two would stand out to me as being players that I think could really improve us. No Connor Ronan? I don't consider Connor Ronan a possibility. So no, why not? I think his performance at St. Mirren will have, for one, increased his value to play. He'll be out with our range. And I think Wolves would be hesitant to loan him back to the SPL. When he's already done pretty well here, I think they'll be eyeing up in their mind. This isn't a case whether it's right or wrong, but in their mind, uh, you know, a higher level. And that could be top end League One championship abroad. I don't think they'll be considering loaning him or selling him to an SPL team. I mean, he's done a couple of stints on loan abroad already. Um, he was at Grasshoppers last season. He was at Donaska Streda a couple of seasons ago. Jim Goodwin apparently let slip at a fans Q&A thing with St Mirren before he moved, obviously, that Wolves' asking price for him was half a mil. And I kind of think if Lewis Ferguson is away, that would seem like a pretty reasonable place to stick half a million quid to reinvest. When was that Q&A? It was January, I think. Maybe that's when the deal was first made. Who knows? I I suspect you're right. I mean, he scores goals like the one he scored yesterday at Tynecastle. I think he scored... Is he scored in the last four games like in the spin I can't believe that that half a million value will still hold 
True. I mean, we've made him look great this year. We have. We've done pretty well. Uh, I like Omionga at Livingston. He he flopped big time at Hibs when he went back there again, but he seems to have really picked up a game at Livingston. Ian Harks is a good shout, Gav. I like that. It's a, it's a decent shout. It's a guy who gets box to box, chips in with goals. Um, it's a definite step up. It's a decent shout. There's not a lot of centre midfielders, I don't think, in the league just now that really stand out to me in that obtainable, I would like to have him here area. It's also the type of position on the pitch. That's where I would like to see us. We can maybe call this now, actually, before we move on to the, to the, to the attackers. Like, what sort of recruitment do we actually want to see in the summer? Players that have been identified and the due diligence has been done to establish whether they can play in the SPL and whether they can play for Aberdeen. And that sounds like common sense, but, you know, I've just worked I've just worked through the summer of Jet and Jacker. Yeah. Um, but are you in the place of you want guys who know the league? No, I mean, I'm talking about players that are in the league because that's just simply what I know more than anything else, uh-huh. but... Of course, you know, if we can bring in guys with the technical ability of Vicente Bajawan to play in Sarah Midfield, then we're absolutely laughing. So, yeah, wherever those markets are, wherever those players are, if we can find them and we can, if we can find them within our price range, within our budget and attract them to Aberdeen, then yeah, absolutely. There's, there's no, yeah, it's not a, I'm not looking within one particular box. I want us to look within as far and wide as we can. I think I'm in the place now where I want to see us do a bit of a healthy blend, which sounds really like corporate, but getting guys who who do know the league, who know what it's about, who have played in the league to for a reasonable you know number of appearances for a club in, in, in the SPFL top flight, who are good, who are good players at the level they're at, who are ready to make the step to the next level very much looking at what we did with the likes of Johnny Hayes, with the likes of Kenny McLean, Graham Shinney, these types of guys who know what it's about playing in Scotland. They know, they get it, they understand it. But I want to see his temper as well with the fact that, there's, like I said, there's not a lot of guys out there who I look at right now and I go, they totally stand out as being obtainable players for us in our, in our budget and where we are right now and what we can offer them because it's probably unlikely that we finish in a European spot this season. Although we only we are only five points off. Yeah, we are, but <laughs> just got to, just got to throw absolutely. That in every but is available possibility as the odds stack up right now. It's a very it's more unlikely than it is likely. Let's put it that way. And we're going to be shopping in the same pond as Hearts and maybe not Hibs. To be honest, Hibs Hibs look like they've adopted a very different transfer strategy recently, which is interesting. Let's see what happens with that. Um, but if you go for a guy like, let's just say Connor Ronan, and Hearts come in and they can offer a chance to play European football for a bit and, and match us on wages, okay, he's got the relationship part with Goodwin. That might help us a bit. I'm not guaranteed. I'm not, I'm not convinced we necessarily get these guys over the line. Um, we have to be able to sell them something. We have to be able to sell them a vision, vision of some sort. Um, but at the same time, I'd like to see us as well expanding our network, getting in guys from different leagues who technically sound, as you say, like Bajowin looks to be, seems to understand how the game is going to be here, can kind of hit the ground running to an extent. And who, you know, if they turn out to be stars, we can turn a profit on as well going forward. Um, I want to see us do a healthy mix of that, I think, this season is what I'm, what I'm looking for. Um, attackers, <laughs> Jesus. So Jet, 
he's <laughs> let's get Graham on the phone. I know, get Graham back. Jets deal is up at the end of next season, but he ain't gonna be here past the summer, is he? Let's let's be quite frank. What's the term when you, you still pay someone, but you just like don't let them come to work? Well, it's gardening like gardening leave. leave. <laughs> You'll be on basketball leave. Um, <laughs> we, we, we know already when we've talked about last week we have reason to believe that he is no longer required back at Pataudry yeah. and I can't see that changing anytime soon Conor McLennan his deal's up in the next season as well yep. Yep. I suspect he'll still be here I think Goodwin will like the fact he's a utility kind of player can play a number of different positions and is probably relatively cheap so he'll be here Matty Kennedy, his deal was up summer 2023. I imagine he kind of sits into the same box as Conor McLennan. Um, I imagine he is more in the category of Declan Gallagher. That will depend what happens between now and the end of the season. I think he might be the kind of player that Goodwin likes. Um, I don't know why. I just have a vibe. There we go. Christian Ramirez, his deal's up in the next season. You've made it clear, Gav. You think he will not be here no. after summer. No. Uh, and if he does go, that that creates a whole different issue, it's fair it's, to say. Uh, yeah, it's a huge void that he would leave behind. Um, yeah, I firmly believe that he came fundamentally to play for Stephen Glass and not Aberdeen. So I think he is counting down his days till he leaves. Marley Watkins, his deal's up to summer of 2023 as well. I suspect he'll still be here. I think that he is very much a player that Jim Goodwin will like to work with. Yeah, it's interesting. Pretty much all of our attackers, with the exception of the last guy, will come on to him in a minute. All their deals are up in the next season, which means we can expect to see a lot of transitions, a lot of ins and outs in this area, I would imagine, over the next year, 18 months. Long-term planning. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Callum Hendry, Flo Camberry, and Fraser Hornby to come in in summer. <laughs> and last but not least, Vicente Pizowin, his deal was up in the summer of 2026. The poor bastard stuck here till then. <laughs> So he'll still be here. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. And I think Goodwood likes him. I think he, he likes his energy. He likes the fact he gets up and down. Oh, good. This for me is the critical area. I I guess it always is in recruitment, mm-hmm. isn't it? Up at the top end of the park. It's the critical area for me this season. You're basing this on the fact Ramirez won't be here, which means we need to replace in the aggregate. How many goals? Uh, 15. 15. In all competitions. Yeah, so I guess... What are we looking at here? 16, actually, because Jet will be away as well. True. Yeah, we need to, we need to replace 16 goals in the aggregate. <laughs> uh, where do we go from there? Yeah. Well, the name you've got at the bottom is one that I was thinking. Um, Reagan Charles Cook, I think, has been very, very impressive for Ross County this season. Absolutely. He is one I would certainly have my own. I think he's more of a wide player, isn't he? He is, yeah, but he's chipped in with a, a ton of goals out of, out of contracts in the summer. Kind of seems like a no-brainer in that sense, but, you know, who knows what we're thinking. Um, Bruce Anderson. Oh? Uh, no, no, no. B-H-H. Bruce Anderson's done great at, at Livingston, um, but, yeah, I didn't think it was that beforehand, and I don't think he is now either. Um, it's another one, much like the midfield, where there's... Is there anyone that stands out that I'd be looking at? You know, it's it's not like those days when you have Graham Shinney playing left-back or center midfield or Cali, you think... That's the guy I want, or Kenny McLean. Um, yeah, no one in those positions, no one jumps out at me, bar Charles Cook. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's anyone in the league that I look at and go, yes, please. Probably means we'll sign Kevin Van Bean. Why not? Um, 
and then I'll have to retract. All those times I've called him a preening dickhead, <laughs> uh, but we'll do it one more time. Reagan Charles Cook's the obvious one, but even then, it doesn't really. Even if you brought him, it does. It doesn't solve that predict that particular conundrum, which means you probably end up having to look out with Scotland. I would think I, I don't have any standout. Lawrence Shankland and his massive forehead and his massive tin hat. But yeah, well, that's the other reason. I, yeah, for for that alone, he's like a no yeah. for me. Someone's going to slate us for bringing quote unquote politics into football there. I don't care. I'll be a Newcastle fan. <laughs> yeah, this is another one where I'm looking at. Um, I wouldn't be looking within the league for the solutions here. Um, no, absolutely. Not. I think I appreciate and I agree about the idea of creating a nice blend of experience within Scotland and maybe some different technique from it with and when it comes to the attacking areas yeah I'd be looking for for more of your Vigente Bajowans and less of your Eamon Brophies but this comes with a risk doesn't it you pull a striker in from a, another country with a decent hit record and sometimes it just doesn't work out in Scotland because they don't they're not used to it Ramirez has been a bit of a uh, has, 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 has shown that up this season to potentially be incorrect but it's an area that causes a real concern for me around what we do here in this uh, this this coming transfer window. And like you said, I don't see anyone in the current Scottish game that I would say yes to. Yeah, I think... Um, Other than Charles Cook. Yeah, Charles Cook's the, the one. I was guessing, but yeah, I guess um, it's it's a gamble no matter what you do. It doesn't matter whether you pull a player from a different country. It can be just from a different team within the same league. You know, Tony Watt was probably had the best period of his career at Motherwell and he's what scored once I think for Dundee United since he moved there once yeah um tell you what just because I saw that their manager got sacked the other day Martin Boyle made a couple of quid out of Saudi by the summer Hibs have got first option on them as part of their deal so I don't see it happening what I'll be interested to see is whether we go back for I feel that we can't necessarily give the name away on this one because I think that that would be a step too far. There was a player who we were led to believe we were very, 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 very keen on in the January transfer window. Didn't happen because basically his club started to invite bids from all comers. He was the top scorer in the league that he was in that season. We were very keen on him, but it had identified him via uh, the new recruitment team didn't happen because I think for us to make it happen, we would have had to have basically broken our transfer record to get him. Would have been a real statement, I think it's fair to say, Gav, if we'd gone for this guy and, yep. and landed yep. him. Absolutely. I'm just looking just quickly while I'm on just now. Ah, doesn't matter. He signed for a Chinese club. So I think, was that not? Yeah, we knew that. Didn't we? Yeah, I couldn't remember if it had actually gone through or not. Oh, it doesn't matter. His name was. Has he moved there? Because all it says is plays as a winger for Chinese club. Like, hasn't given a, a name. Very confused by this. I feel like this has just gone way off track now. Current club unknown. 1st of March sold to a Chinese club. Uh-huh. Which club has not been specified? Right, fuck it. If that's the basis. The guy's name is Samuel Adenborough. He was the top scorer last season for Norkoping in the Alsfin scan. Had a season there on loan from, uh, had a season there actually having moved from Rosenberg, top scorer there. By all accounts, we were well keen on this guy um, in January. And then a whole bunch of other teams became interested 
Chinese club, as it turns out, have now signed him undisclosed who that Chinese club are. Meant the deal was going to be too rich for us. Pulled out of it. It is what it is. I'd be intrigued to see if we look at, at players of that sort of ilk. Yeah, I mean, you've got to imagine. I mean, like we have, our, our job is not within football recruitment and scouting, but if we're sat here as, you know, extremely interested observers of Scottish football, we can't think of a single striker that we'd yeah. look at. Um, so yeah, like I said before, it's this is um, a position where I think we need to be looking in different markets for guys who are scoring goals on a consistent basis, not just one season here and there when they're 26, 27, and they've hit double figures well, twice, you know. The boy Adkinbro was an interesting one from that perspective because he hadn't really torn up at any other point until last season at Norkoping. And he looked predominantly a winger, to be honest. Is is what it is. I'd like to think that's the type of calibre player that we're looking at, a top scorer in a top league in, in Europe. Not the top leagues, obviously, in Europe, because that's not going to happen. But it would have been an interesting one oh, if that had happened. Although Mbappe is out of contract. He is. Maybe he could be convinced. Maybe somebody needs to be going down to Mbappe and just <laughs> getting him into the Real Madrid trophy room <laughs> and being like, yo, Killian." You might notice there there's not a cup winners cup in 1983. Wonder where that is. Come come this way. Tin pot. It's over this way. Here's Dave with a plate of rowies. <laughs> um again, there's no one that I mean that comes to mind, but if there's someone out there that has been successful in Scotland, has maybe gone south or elsewhere and maybe not quite worked out in the same way of Adam Rooney, then you know that's lots of things to consider. But yeah, to me, yeah, no one, absolutely no one stands out in Scotland. Yeah, the only person who would have think, thought would have even come comparable to Adam Rooney would have probably been someone like Ross Stewart, but he's done really well at yeah, Sunderland. Yeah, with our price range, yeah. So he'll either stay at Sunderland or he'll get, a, get, get the championship, yeah. probably, if Sunderland don't get promoted. Yeah. So, As much as I would love to have the Loch Ness Drogba at Pedodre. Ain't happening. And on that note. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> and that wraps up this week's episode of the ABZ football podcast thanks for joining us please remember to like subscribe follow whatever on your podcast player of choice join us next week for episode 36 where we'll review our crucial spfl premiership fixture against hips before we head into an international break we'll have our usual look at our loanies and loan watch we'll see how our women's team got on in their fixture against hamilton ackies and we bring you the latest in our line of interviews with don's personalities of past and present and this time it's the last Aberdeen player to take a trip to the World Cup. He did it with Denmark in 2002. It's the one and only Peter Kier. Look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. <laughs>